Hello everyone and welcome to itsyourseason.life where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson and I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing? Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed, get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's itsyourseason.life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of It's Your Season.life. I'm going to be sharing some personal experiences with you today. Um, we have some great guests coming up in the next two weeks. In the meantime, I do want to talk about um, things that I suggested I would originally talk about, and that is bees, mind, body, wellness, and being plant-based. So I do want to walk through and just uh, share with you how my husband and I became plant-based. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, we did it. So I want to just walk through kind of how that happened um, and how we got to where we are today. So just to give you a little bit of background, my husband is 64. I am 61 and we have been plant-based for a little bit over two years. I call it primarily plant-based because 99% of the time, you will not find animal products or you intentionally don't eat animal products. But there are situations in which sometimes there are some animal products. So, you know, 99% primarily plant-based lifestyle. So I'm going to walk through kind of how do we get there and and kind of just give you some thoughts and ideas. Um, but get it going plant-based is certainly up to the individual and there's lots of data out there on what plant-based lifestyle is. We chose um, probably, it's, I don't like to call it vegan because that also connotates that um, we don't use leather products and that type of thing, which is fine. That's good for some folks. We just really went plant-based for our health and so I'll walk you through how that happened. Um, but to just get us started a little bit, we transitioned in 2018. Actually, 2019. I have to get my years right. But uh, but it actually started for me way back in the 80s. Um, and it's really kind of a funny story, so I'll share it with you. Back in the um, 80s, I was working in open heart recovery, and if you've ever worked in open heart recovery back in the 80s, it was really pretty gruesome. Um, we had anywhere from 40 to 50 cases a day in the facility that I was working in of all types of open heart, whether it was um, bypass or valve replacements. But anyway, what we also found out that during that time is people would get very significant sternal infections and have a long-term recovery process. Um, so did that change my habits? No, I was young. I was uh, in my 20s and uh, not eating a cardiac diet by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not even sure cardiac diet was out then. Um, but 
fast forward to 1988, I started working in pulmonary rehab and I was sent to St. Helena Hospital in California in the Napa Valley and to learn how to set up a pulmonary rehab program in six weeks. I had six weeks to learn how to set to manage a program, get all the paperwork and also get six patients into the program. So I was sent out for a week and during that time, John McDougall was practicing there um, with the McDougall program and uh, the cardiologists and pulmonary rehab doctors were like, pulmonologists were like, while you're out there, hey, why don't you just check out this McDougall program? I'm like, okay, but in my head I'm going, but I'm going to learn pulmonary rehab and I'm going to California for the first time. So I spent a week at St. Helena Hospital. Um, I was housed in the hospital. I learned how to set up the pulmonary rehab program, and I also was an observer of the McDougal diet because I would go down. That would be my breakfast. And, you know, for me now, it looks normal and natural. Back then, it was pretty much looked like gruel. Um, and, but I didn't really understand it, and I thought it was a little far-fetched and a little little too too uh, conservative food wise for me and so my mind really wasn't open to it but so I went back set up the pulmonary rehab program but then as we worked and combined the program with cardiology there was this uh, we did try to look and include uh, nutritional information for both the pulmonary patients and the cardiac patients and but we still didn't follow you know there were some formal dietary recommendations in the 90s but not anything like there are now so fast forwarding uh, again uh, I moved back to Texas in 2000 1999-2000 my dad was not doing well I knew I needed to get back and he had open heart surgery and he had pretty much everything happen that you don't want to have happen to your dad uh, with open heart surgery he was in the hospital for 13 weeks he had a massive sternal infection he was on dialysis he had a tracheostomy he was on a ventilator he went through about three weeks of skilled nursing rehab and we finally got to take him home thanksgiving and so one might ask did that change anything for me and no it did not change anything for me i I'm not sure I ate much better after all that as well. So we kept moving forward. We kind of maybe looked at our diet. I was not married at the time, but looked forward to 2010. Two things happened. Actually, 2008, I was married to a wonderful man. Um, And my mother died in December of 2008 of pancreatic cancer, and my father died of just his massive 10 years of complications in January of 2009. And so my mom dying of pancreatic cancer was really important to me because I already, obviously, because my mom was important, but she also died of pancreatic cancer and my fa- my uh, uncle had pancreatic cancer. So I had two very close family members with pancreatic cancer. And that put the radar on, not just for cardiovascular disease, but cruciferous vegetables. You know, what am I going to do to prevent getting pancreatic cancer? And so reading lots of books on the anti-cancer diet and so forth, we went whole hog into adding a lot more cruciferous vegetables into our diet. And the great thing about that is that about that time, Costco and Eat, well, Eat Smart offered these bags of cruciferous vegetables at Costco for $5. They've been $5 for the last 
11 years, but you get this bag of cruciferous vegetables, and these are the phytonutrients needed uh, that research indicates that help prevent cancer, especially GI cancer, prostate cancer, those kinds of cancers. Not to mention just adding vegetables is good for you anyway. So this was 2010, and we were eating a lot of cruciferous vegetables. So we weren't quite substituting meat out of our diet, but we sure were adding a lot more cruciferous vegetables. And so we were eating so much of the cruciferous vegetables. That's when I wrote my first cookbook on 21 days of sweet kale salad mix so that you can have different cuisines and eat cruciferous vegetables once or twice a day. So we were, we were seeing a few like physical changes on how we felt, but we did not eliminate meat and we did not eliminate uh, dairy. And so two years later, we uh, were in our cardiologist's office with my husband. His uh, cholesterol levels were a little bit high, not huge. They were like 200, maybe 210, just not huge, but enough to get, they would put them on a a statin. And, but what was remarkable is the cardiologist recommended two books and a video, Forks Over Knives and the China Study and How to Prevent Heart Disease. And even though my husband did not have uh, um, vessel problems, it was a, a, a valve problem and a slightly elevated cholesterol, he really, Dr. Barnum, really pushed go vegan. This is it. This is, this is it. And I do remember looking at him and going, I will never go plant-based. I might eat more vegetables, but I'm never going plant-based. And so, but he really encouraged us. So we did watch the movie. We did read the book and we read the book, How to Prevent Heart Disease. So kind of keep moving forward through the uh, first uh, 20 years of 2000 of the 21st century. Um, my husband did have a valve repair and, and was always on a little, a little bit of a statin, not a lot. And we were still eating our cruciferous vegetables and we had not cut back on meat and dairy significantly. I was still going to the store and buying, you know, the packages of chicken breasts that were like six in a, in a package. And I would, look at them and go this is really pretty weird you know each breast weighs roughly a pound a pound and a half so what does the original bird look like um, I was still buying roast I'm still buying pork chops and packages not just like a couple of really nice pork chops that are sustainably raised you know doing the whole package thing and really thinking through the week when did we have pork when did we have chicken when did we have fish when did we have seafood when did we have lamb um, and really defining the meals out in the week based on that animal protein. So in 2016, we had been, you know, as you, I hope all everyone is doing out there, all the men are is watching their PSAs. But we, Mike's PSA started to elevate, and he had some signs of early prostate cancer. What was interesting about that is nowhere in this process over the next three years that we're going to go through which is really the transition where we ever told to cut back on dairy. And, you know, it was in the Forks Over Knives movie. It is in the China study. But no physician ever really said, surgeon, urologist said, uh, really watch the dairy. So I've, looking back, we're like, would that have helped? I don't know. I'm just stating a fact that during this time when we're really watching PSAs and we're doing biopsies, we were never told, so, yeah, might be a good idea to watch your dairy. So in October of 2016, 
2018. Actually, this was the summer of 2018. Uh, my husband did have a prostatectomy. And we thought, oh, it's clear. They came out. They said, you know, we removed it and we have clear margins. And so this was in July, August. And then when we go in for our follow-up, we were shocked when they told us that it was advanced stage cancer. And we would immediately be going into radiation and hormone reduction therapy. And my husband that day came home. We drove home. We were in the kitchen. He says, honey, I'm going vegan. And I still could not wrap my arms around going full-on plant-based. It's not that my mind didn't know we should do that. It was more, how do I do that? So he went plant-based, and I had to figure out how I was going to do it, how I was going to be supportive, how it was not going to be a short-order cook. I have to do it. <laughs> how am I going to do it? So luckily with the magic of Facebook, that the Forks Over Knives uh, Roubaix culinary course came online, and I took the class in the spring of 2019, January uh, through March, and it was probably it was one of the best things I ever did because... A lot of when we're making these lifestyle change habits has to do with how we manage change and what are the motivators to change. Is it easy for you to make a change? Are you an early adopter or a late adopter? Uh, what is the motivator? Is there a sense of urgency or is it a little bit more long-term and your mind can kind of say, well, I've got 10 years to get there. You know, we had a very short time frame to get there. My husband was already there. You know, he eats peanut butter and tortillas. So, you know, going plant-based wasn't hard for him, but I love to cook. So I will say that going, doing the, completing the Roubaix Forks Over Nice class, which was no oil, was one of the best things that I did so that I could take a class and systematically walk through and have something to do every day to become primarily plant-based. So I completed the class and over the last two years from 20 or 2019 and 2020, I feel comfortable. I can say I cook primarily plant-based 99% of the time, unless we're having a party and I feel like I need to offer some things that are sustainably raised animal dishes. And and maybe once in a while treat myself to an egg um, or maybe some yogurt. But generally speaking, every single day is all about the plants. And I do not design my meals around a piece of meat. It's shocking. It's just absolutely shocking that that is where we have gone. So this worked for us. One, we had a big motivator. My husband had had advanced prostate cancer. He's now completed all this treatment, doing very, very well, and his numbers are great. And I would like to think that removing the dairy and the meat um, helped at least, and that's what we hope it will do is help reduce the possibility that if there are any stray cancer cells floating around his system, his body will have less of... Um, a need or need uh, attraction for them to metastasize to the bone or to some other area. And we feel great. I think that is the uh, other sideline is that, you know, with this, we feel comfortable. We're doing the absolutely best we can for his prostate cancer. We're certainly make, making sure that our um, vessels are clear in, in our heart 
the other side is that we really feel so much better. So, you know, plant-based, um, I'd like to think some semblance of being primarily plant-based is open for anyone who wants to try it. Um, I think saying that maybe it's easy, it might be easy if you don't cook and you're, you're an early adopter, or you've got a strong motivator or, you know, eating, you don't eat to live. As my husband says, I don't live to eat, you know, I eat to live. And so your mind frame, your mindset is that you're going to be putting more nutritional things into your system. But when we look at, you know, if you've have 60 years of eating in one pattern or you have things embedded from your childhood of, you know, banquet TV dinners and prepared foods and cooking as assembly and not really appreciating the fruits of nature and the goodness and the nutrition that are in plants, it is a mind bender. And so I'm going to say it's not easy for everyone. Does that mean you don't do it? No, you do give it a try. And I think the studies are, are good that at least uh, if you can get to 80% of your diet as primarily plants, that's a good thing. It could make substantial changes in your in your um uh, lipids and your uh, your diabetes. So it doesn't take 100%. You know, for us, we chose not to be no oil. That was a little hard for us. That's what we chose. And in addition, you know, I read studies where, you know, there's it's lots of things out there. But you know, a little oil, a good oil is can can be helpful. So again, there's kind of a, a different program or something that is speaks to someone or can work within the realm of what you're capable of doing. And so if getting to 80% and some oil is works for you, that's better than 50% fast food and eating, you know, 100 plus grams of fat a day. So anything is good. Whatever that plant-based works for you. This recent study came out on vegan versus Mediterranean. And I think the reason the Mediterranean is so appealing is because it's doable as long as your Mediterranean is not lots of pasta and lots of cream sauces and servings that are the size of a casserole dish. So Mediterranean is actually, when we think about Mediterranean, not just Italian food, it, it, it scopes the whole Mediterranean region. So what I like about the plant-based is that you can try different cuisines and really experience wonderful flavors, and you're not relying on meat for your flavor. You're relying on spices and herbs and nuts and seeds and textures. So where are we now? Well, um, I wrote a cookbook like any good plant-based person would do to, uh, but it's, uh, so we have a couple things going on. One is we, my husband and I worked on a, a two week test drive so that people could work through and just experience a little bit what being, what are some plant-based options and what does that look like? You don't have to go into your pantry and wipe out everything that's certainly one option of way to do it but that's not for everyone so my husband and I wrote the plant-based test drive just so that 
Anyone who just wants to try a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner or a dessert that is plant-based can do so and can do so easily and enjoy it. And so every day is, is creating an option that is plant-based, kind of like Meatless Monday. Well, you'll do this for two weeks. The also part of the other part of it is I included kind of a self-coaching section on the first part of it because I think self-exploration is so incredibly important on what do you like to eat? What do you enjoy? What could you try? What what are possibilities of something to test? What are some things that are just absolute, um, not at all, I'm never going to try an artichoke, for example. So you can self-examine what food groups, what foods and food groups you would enjoy. What do you currently eat and what might be some options? So you can choose. I was a prior coach and so the only plan you are going to do is one that you create for yourself. So I can tell you all day long to go take the uh, Roubaix cooking course, but if you don't want to do it, it's not going to help you. And rationalize why it might help you or rationalize why... You know, what are your motivators for wanting to even do the test drive? So we put together the test drive. And in this last year also, uh, it's in the final stages of publishing a cookbook called Food Elevated. We live here in Colorado. And we have access to just wonderful farmers markets and community-supported agriculture markets and just a lot of beautiful seasonal fruits and vegetables and grains and products that are created here locally. And I personally had never participated in a CSA, but I did this year. It was COVID. We all did things that we'd never done before. So I did a CSA and I wrote a cookbook. So just keep in mind, keep that on your radar. Um, There's a cookbook coming up called Food Elevated. It's beautiful. It's uh, part history. It's part the story of Colorado agriculture. And there's lots of photos, probably 600 photos in it of anywhere from dishes to vegetables and fruits and landscapes. So you have a little virtual vacation to Colorado. And then it's the cookbook. There's 100 recipes. And there's lots of tips and tools on how to easily prepare um, plant-based, primarily plant-based dishes. They can certainly be, go. The, I, I created these so they could be either way, either primarily plant-based or um, if you choose to use butter, that's fine too. The idea is just to experience and eat more plants and local plants and, and appreciate that. It will be coming out end of April in May, so just stay tuned on the website and on our Facebook page of when that's coming out. We're working on the back cover today, so it won't be long. But uh, the bottom line is, yeah, it's entirely possible, as I tell people, if I can do it, I'm hoping pretty much anyone can. It's just a matter of timing. You know, what are your motivators? Uh, What are your skills? how important it is to you, what you think you might get from it, what might happen. I mean, the worst thing that happens, you try it and you hate it and you go back to eating like you did. And for us, it was helping people who just want to explore it and not get 
too much of a negative connotation with plant-based. It's out there. It's there's. It's just hard to defy the data that eating more plants is better. It's just. It's actually kind of weird when you get on the other side of it and you're like, why did it take so long for me to think about plants as like being good for me? That's almost kind of weird that I didn't understand that. So. For more information, you can um, go to my website. I'll put some more information out there. I've got YouTube videos, cooking videos out there on how to prepare things that are plant-based, that are easy. I have to remember not everyone cooks like me and not everyone has a pantry full of food and spices like I do. So I've really kind of put my hat on of my audience maybe being individuals who don't cook that much but want to eat more plants and how do you do that. So that's our goal is to, you know, help people who are interested become more plant-based, provide tips and tools, got a cookbook coming up, lots of pictures on Instagram, we eat with our eyes, so it's important to see what dishes can look like. Um, And on that same topic of when you look at dishes that are colorful and you go back and you look at dishes that are meat and potatoes, they're actually pretty tan so it's all about eating color it's really as I say it's just a mind bender so thanks for joining me today and listening to our story about how we went plant-based there's lots more to share Um, you can find more on the website and just follow me on Facebook and Instagram I'm I'm a little bit more out there about plant-based on Twitter definitely YouTube and putting out more videos this year But I just wanted to share our story, give you some ideas that, you know, it is possible and you do it within the realm of what you can make possible. So thanks for joining me today and I look forward to any comments, suggestions, questions you might have. Go ahead and throw them out to me. I'll put my email and then also any questions you can also answer through Facebook. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day. So that's a wrap for today. We've so enjoyed you being with us. I hope you learned something new, got some inspiration, and you are ready to move forward with your own new season. Remember, we are living life at any age. Take some time to visit the other social media sites. Give us some feedback. Shoot me an email on Facebook. And remember, until then, stay safe and keep on living. Cheers.